I want you to turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 15, and chapter 23. Those two chapters. This Sunday being the first Sunday of the month, we usually set aside to observe the communion of the bread and the cup. The bread and the cup have meaning for us. Obviously, the cup having to do with the blood and the power to cleanse us from sins, etc., protect us from the destroyer. And then his body, which specifically says he bore our diseases and carried our pains, and by his stripes we are healed. And it's good for us on occasion, every now and then, three or four times a year, to share that that we have a message in the Bible of divine healing. Now, that's not very popular. It's not well-known. Not many people subscribe to it. That doesn't make it not true or without value. We have had our eyes open enough to see that there is more to what we can believe than just, you know, a shot or a pill, and that God does have something for us, and we call it divine healing. Healing. Now, divine means inspired of God, given or inspired of God. I didn't know anything about this myself until not too long after I got saved. I heard a tape was about healing. I didn't accept it. In discussion with other people, I talked myself out of such a thing and tried to debate with others that you can't really believe that because I was basing what I believe on what I have seen. As I looked at my family tree and all the, well, the sickness and the physical damage that was done to my ancestors that I knew, Bonnie's family tree of all the things that never responded well to anything, any kind of treatment. People died young, died early, were in some way maimed or halted or crippled. Well, they just didn't have it the way the Bible said it. You read the Bible, what it says, and it was almost too good to be true. But the question that God puts in your heart is, can it really be? Is it really possible that a man can be in health in this world, in this place? I mean, disease is a commonplace thing. We grew up expecting to be sick, and we all were. We know what it's like. People talk about it all the time. The, one of the big issues in conversation is health care and the cost of health care because people really do expect to be sick. Most of us, I wouldn't, but most of us were born in the hospital and will die in a hospital. You'll spend most of your life under a doctor's care or be ridiculed for it. It's just the nature of the world that we're in. It's good to talk about God, but you must trust the world and its system. And if you don't, then you will not do well at all. Which interpreted means, and we wouldn't say it this way, it sounds irreligious, but don't count on God to do what you think he'll do because he might not do it. Now, here's where we want to start today. Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26 if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, 
God said, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord, your healer, curer, the one who makes you well. That actually was a covenant name. Yahweh Rapha, Orophika. That was a Hebrew word for our physician. So God is telling his people, you've seen all the diseases of Egypt. And later on, we'll come back to that. You know what happens to people with certain conditions and how it terminates and so forth. You've seen it. You're familiar with it. You're very used to it because it's, it's just the world's way of living. But listen to this. God said, if you will listen to what I say, if you will give ear to my commandments and then live this way, don't just listen, but be doers. I will put none of the diseases upon you, which you have seen put upon the Egyptians, for I am your physician. Now, personally, I want that. I would much rather have that than anything else. Here's what chapter 23 and verse 25 says. 23, 25. And you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take away sickness from the midst of thee. Would you like that? Here's the problem in church with amongst church members. I'm talking about people that are trying. I mean, they go every week. I did and all of that. Can it really be so? You say, well, God said it. I know he said it, but as I look around to make sure God meant what he said, I can't see much evidence of it. Everybody I know still talks about sick, still on their shots, getting there with this, that. I mean, can it really be? They say, well, I don't deny what's going on out there, and I don't deny the best efforts of man to fix people. I don't deny that. But all I'm saying is that for us who have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light, we have a better way to do it. We have something that's better than the world. We have something better than the world's way. Whether we believe it or not, our believing doesn't make this true. This is true whether we believe it or not. But what it says is that God says, I'll be your doctor. He said, well, that was an Old Testament promise. Well, I remind you that Paul wrote in the New Testament that all the promises of God, and there was no New Testament then. Paul was talking to Gentiles, not Jews. The only Bible or book we had when Paul was preaching was the Old Testament. And he said, all the promises of God are in Christ Jesus, yes, and in him, amen. So if they made a thousand promises there, those thousand promises are yours also because all of those reside in Christ. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So we read that. We look at that and we think, man, how can this be? All the ads on TV is all about sickness. The churches build hospitals. I mean, many hospitals are built by religious institutions. So obviously divine healing is not behind all of that 
because some of the methods they employ and things that they do are not the way that God would do it. But it's done and it's accepted and therefore there's no problem. That's the way it is. Now you disagree with any of that and you're really viewed as strange, weird, or out of touch or in some cult. Because you see, the way we grew up, the answer we gave when somebody talked to us about divine healing, uh, well, one of the answers was, look, all healing, this is an answer that we gave, all healing comes from God anyway. I mean, if you get healed by a pill or a procedure, I mean, it's still, it's still God. Well, if you tell me that all healing comes from God, then you'll have to tell me that when a hypnotist has some kind of a, an effect upon somebody's mind and they seem to be cured of some problem that they had, you tell me that God did that? Or when a medicine man dancing around the flame or a shaman down in the jungles or some other kind of witch doctor somewhere goes through his chants and goes into some kind of a spell or trance and gives some kind of a potion or has a bag of bones or whatever he does and tell you to carry this one around in your pocket for six weeks and you'll be healed. Is that God? Because a lot of these people do get healed. Well, God wouldn't allow that to happen. God can send strong delusions to whoever doesn't want to do things God's way. He can do that. Not all healing is from God. Who do they appeal to? Who does a medicine man appeal to for healing? It's some cult god. They like the, the totem pole. Which one of those faces are the one you look to for healing? Or, you know, another one is that, well, God gave the knowledge to heal and the talent to heal to men. And that's the way God heals today. He heals through the doctors. I heard that most of my life, and that was pretty well accepted. Listen, let me say this. I'm not opposed to doctors. There are many of them who, if they weren't here, a lot of people would die and suffer. I'm just saying that for us as Christians, we have something better. Now, I don't want to go back and trash all the systems of this world that some of them are really legitimate. There are doctors who operate on people today knowing they're not going to get paid. And they give it their best shot because they want people to get well. Now, you have to appreciate that. I don't care what you believe. But I'm saying there's something better than that. I would rather have God operate on me than a man. Because, you see, God never has made a mistake. He has never missed it. God has never given anybody the wrong shot. He's never had two people in his presence, one needing a kidney and one needing a gallbladder removed and got them mixed up. We've read so many atrocious things that's happened because man is human. And to err is human, they say. And while many of them do their best and try, they are flawed, but God is not. God is not. There's no chance of God making a mistake or miss whatever our problems. He knows the end from the beginning, and he made us. There's no problem with God doing those kind of things. But when it comes to today, to the physician, to speak that there is something better for us than a physician is taken as an attack on the physician. And again, I think there's some. My dad had one 
Well, my wife has a cat, and I wouldn't send my cat to the one that my daddy went to because I think there was some quacky stuff going on there with him, but then there's others who really have a sincere care for people's health. They do what they've been taught the best way they can. They familiarize themselves with what's available, and they try to do their best. I'm just saying to us, there is something better for you that does not cost you an arm and a leg, literally. There is something available to you that is mistake-proof that you can afford. You'll never get turned down by God, as you will by a lot of hospitals, if you don't have insurance. And many of those hospitals are church hospitals. They have verses of Scripture about love on all their walls, or the Catholics have the crosses here, and then all the different parts of their religion in the hospital for inspiration for those in there that are suffering. And yet, if you don't have any money, you might not get to go in there. I'm just saying God isn't like that. God is not a business. God is not trying to make money. The kingdom of God doesn't need money to support itself. We don't need to have some kind of an insurance package to assure ourselves that God will take care of us. Again, I think a lot of them try their best. I think there's some that don't. I think they're good preachers. I think they're bad preachers. So we can throw us in there too. But let me show you a couple things. What the Bible says. Turn to 2 Chronicles, chapter 16. Look at one of the kings of Judah, a good king. Not without his problems, but 2 Chronicles, chapter 16, and verse 12. I would imagine you've heard this before about King Asa. Now it says about King Asa in verse 12 that in the 30 and ninth year of his reign, it says that he was diseased in his feet. It doesn't tell us what the foot disease was, but Asa had been a king for 39 years. And in that particular year, he was diseased in his feet, and his disease got worse. It became severe, exceeding great. The Bible says, yet in his disease, he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. So there were physicians around, mostly around the Egyptians. The Egyptian culture and the Greek culture was where much of what a modern Doctoring comes from, that, those are the origins, the Hippocratic Oath and things of that sort. I swear by Apollo and Hygieia and Panacea and all the gods and goddesses, that's what they swore by, the physician did. They learned their trade or science, falsely so-called, in those ways. And he said here, when Asa was diseased greatly in his feet, he didn't turn to God. He turned to the physicians. He would be commended today for doing it. Well, he did his best. No, that was not the best. God himself implies here that if he had turned to the Lord, he would have been healed. But he did not. That's why God shows a contrast here. And it says in verse 13, And Asa slept with his fathers and died two years later in the 41st year of his reign. I think he could have done better, but the physicians couldn't help him. 
go to the New Testament, Luke, if you will, Luke chapter 8. I could read this for you, but I'd like for you to see it. I don't want you to think I made this up. Luke chapter 8 and verse 43. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years. That must have been a real hard time for her, obviously. 12 years, seven days a week, 365 days a year, no relief, no help. Listen to this. It says, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. Neither could be healed of any. Now look at verse 46. And Jesus said, somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. Now let me ask you something. Would virtue be divine? If Jesus had something that by touching him, you could receive healing from something nobody could heal, would that be divine? Above and beyond what's normal. It'd be supernatural. And the lady, she was different. She would have probably been ridiculed today for even thinking such a thought that she could just touch him, she'd be healed, but she did. She bypassed all that gossip and she went over there, worked her way through the crowd, touched him. See, having an issue of blood meant that you were unclean. You were not even allowed to touch people. There was a separation. If there was an issue in your life like that, you were not socially acceptable. And in spite of what could happen to her, she went through the crowd and touched him. And he said, somebody touched me because virtue, power, went out of me. Now, folks, that's what I want. I want to be able to, in a spiritual sense, I want to be able to literally, spiritually, it otherwise, to be able to touch Jesus in a time of my need physically. Amen. I want virtue to flow out of him into my body. Verse 47, and the woman saw that she was not hid. They realized who she was. She came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, daughter, shame on you, for thou hast put in jeopardy all. What Jesus, what did God say to her? He said, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. If it would work then, it will still work today. If it worked like that then, it'll still work like that today because Malachi 3.6 says, I am the Lord, I change not. All the promises of God are in him, yes and amen. The word of God, the psalmist says, is forever settled. Heaven and earth may pass away, but the word of the Lord will abide forever. forever. So this is the way it is, and this is the way it's going to be. And if you want to believe it, you can benefit from it but you got to mix faith with this, just like she did. She said in her mind, you know, if I can touch him, I'll be healed. That won't get you healed. you got to touch him. And she did. All I'm saying was, to go back to the point I started with, 
Some people say, well, God gave the knowledge that physicians have today and the talents that they have to do what they do. ORU, or Roberts University, was built to put the hand of God and the hand of man together to heal human flesh. God has never needed help from anybody at any time to heal people. Right. In fact, man only complicates it because he wants the praise for it. And he wants the credit for it. Well, some people say the healing ended with the apostles. I've heard that a lot. You know, when the last apostle died, that was the end of what we call divine healing. And so now God uses doctors in the medical profession. That's how God does it now. He didn't in the Old Testament. He didn't in the days of Jesus. He didn't in the New Testament. But that's the way he does it now. When the apostles died, we're back to the old way. There's 180,551 verses of Scripture. There is 8,277 verses, 180,000 words, 8,200 verses. There's not a single verse in the Bible that says that when the apostles died, that was the end of healing. That's one of the dumber things I've ever heard. How many of you believe that when God put gifts in the church, the church didn't die when apostles died? One of the gifts in the church was gifts of healing. Just because people don't believe it today doesn't mean it's not real. There's a lot of things the church doesn't believe today and are denied the benefits of because they don't believe it. Somebody talked us all out of it. And whenever God is informing us of the truth that has been set aside for centuries, we struggle with it because of the effect of the world on being our boss and our God. If you don't have the world, you're going to die. You know, you can't make it. If you don't borrow a million dollars, you'll never have a house. God can't make you prosperous. He can't give you this. Who taught us that? Who told us that? But that's the way we were. That's how we fought divine healing. I mean, that's how we talked ourselves out of divine healing. Sometimes they said, God says no. You pray for God to heal you, and God says no. See, God knows better than you what you need. And he knows that for some people it's better that they not be healed. You might get healed and backslide, and you'd miss heaven. So he leaves them sick for his glory. Now, I don't know that people read much. I don't know if you can find any of that in the Bible either. To whom did Jesus go in his lifetime in Israel? To whom did he ever say, be sick? Who did he deny healing? I found five verses in the Bible. Turn to Matthew 14, in which multitudes came to Jesus, all different kinds of conditions that these folks had, this and that and lunatic and maimed and halt and leprous, all kinds of things. And the Bible said he healed them all. Now, if he healed them all, then he turned nobody down. Would you agree? Nobody was denied if they came to him. He didn't say no to anybody that came to him. And when he healed them, he healed them right. He even told one, take up your bed and go home. It never walked a body that was in a crumpled little mess. One of those kind of things you just feel so sorry for. And yet Jesus said, you know, you're healed. Take up your bed and walk. 
And suddenly his body, you know, the snap, crackle, pop effect, you know, suddenly those bones that had never been straight were suddenly getting straight. Restoration. These limbs had never been worth much for anything. And right there before their eyes, the legs became straight, limbs became straight, the back became straight, the face got straight, the way a man ought to be became the way a man was. And he stood up in their midst. I don't know what he did. If I'd been him, they'd have heard me all the way up in Joppa. I'd have whooped and hollered. They lowered him down a roof. He might have gone back up through that roof. Took off running through the streets of Israel. Woo! Instead of saying, thank you, sir. I appreciate the, the healing. Thank you. And walk out. But here in this verse, verse 35. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all the country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased. How many did they bring to him? Everybody that was sick, didn't matter who you were, what color you were, how well your feet matched or not, they went out and got them and brought them to Jesus. And it said in verse 36, and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made perfectly whole. They might have gone to the meeting sick and died. What difference does it matter to God what stage you're in or what level of sickness you have? It doesn't matter. Jesus healed them all. Jesus healed all of them. You can find that in Matthew 4, verse 24, Matthew 12, verse 15, Luke 6, and verse 19. He healed them all. So don't tell me that sometimes God says no. All the promises of God are yes. But when he does say no, when God does say no, it's because of faith. James chapter 1 said, if any man's going to ask God for anything, you must ask believing. For if you ask God for something, but you're not believing that it's going to work, James chapter 1, verse 7 and verse 8, let's, let not that man think that he shall receive anything from God. Is it fair for God to ask you to believe him? Or is God some celestial Santa Claus that we all have a right to and we have a right to expect him to do it for us and if he doesn't, then blame him for what happened? People do that. I mean, after all, you're God, you're supposed to do whatever we want. God who has the last word for those who are willing to read it and study it. He said, these are the conditions. I watch over my word to perform it. Nothing is too hard for me. There is no disease that cannot be healed at any stage. There is no portion of your body that cannot be fixed no matter what it is. I'm the all-powerful, unlimited God. And nothing is too difficult for me. From Genesis 18 to Luke 1 to a verse in Jeremiah, there is nothing too hard for God. But you have to believe when you come. You can't just come and say, hey, hey, God, come here, I need something. I'm getting ready to go to the race and I'm having trouble. Would you fix me? Doesn't work like that. 
I got 1,000 people praying for me. I don't care if you got 10,000 people praying for you. I don't care if you got all of the TV world praying for you, you know, the religious networks. Who's believing for you? Everybody's asking, who's believing? Jesus said, when you pray, believe what? Believe you have received it and you'll get it. And James chapter 1, again, verse 7 says, let not that man think that he shall receive anything from God if he's asking God and doubts it. He's a double-minded man, verse 8 said. He's unstable in all of his ways. If I said today the church is full of unstable, double-minded people, I'd be fired. See, all of you all have single minds. See, I don't want you to fire me. So, when you tell people the truth, the church is full of double-minded people. Their church is unstable. It really doesn't know what it believes. When it gets in a crisis, it falls apart just like the world. They don't know how to trust God. There's a lack of faith. And they despise the fact that you told them the truth about themselves. They don't want to do anything about it. They just didn't want to be known. And yet what you should have done was as God said, you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he'll lift you up. You admit that he's altogether right and you're altogether wrong. That his way is the only right way and the way you've been led you thought was right was not his way. There is a way that seemeth right. Remember that? Proverbs 12, 16. There is a way that seemeth right, but it's a way of death. It has no God-ordered power in it. It's death. It's dead. It's a dead letter, a dead word for people who should have better than that. It should be better than that. But to say that God sometimes says no is to leave out the message of faith. Listen to this one, Hebrews 4.2. Unto us was the good news preached as well as unto them, Old Testament. But the word they heard did not profit them. Why? They didn't mix faith with it. And so untaught people look at all these people who do not profit from hearing the word and they begin to assume that God doesn't want to do it. So they say sometimes God says no. That's not true. That's the concoction of man. That's how man sees it, but that's not what God said. You've got to mix faith with this word to be saved or anything else. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and must believe that God truly is a rewarder of all those who seek him. And that's what we're here for. Sometimes, you know, they say sickness is a blessing. Really. I wonder how many times Jesus was operating against God when he healed people. God put sickness on them for a blessing and then Jesus came along and, re and removed it? I don't know how many people really believe that. Did Jesus remove God's blessing by healing people? I don't think so. I don't think God is, you ever say that God blessed anybody with sickness. If he did, if sickness was a blessing, if it was a blessing, then the man who tries to get rid of it or get relief from it is against God. If God wanted me sick and I'm trying to get well, 
then I'm in opposition to God. I don't believe that for a minute. I believe that God, he bore our pains and carried our diseases and by his stripes, we are, not might be, not could be, we are healed. That's what I believe. So then, what does a Christian believe? I mean, concerning divine healing. We don't believe all these substitutes and excuses that people made. What do we believe? Well, we believe our text. That God is a covenant God. He said, I'm your healer. Chapter 23, verse 25, he said, I will remove all sickness from the midst of you. What if I told you our homes should be a sick-free zone? And if anybody in the house is sick, then now you're, they're mad at you because you said what God said. Listen, we've all been sick. Nobody in this room was sicker than I was growing Nobody. Nobody. I don't know that, do I? But allow me to puff a moment. I mean, I was sick my whole life. Always was. Both of my parents smoked, and there was the house was full of smoke for years and years. You ever been in a place where there's a lot of smoke, and you come out and get in the car, and then the person in the car didn't go in with you, and they go, shoo, you smell like a cigarette factory. And I grew up like that all my life. Until I left home and got married, it was my environment. Sick all the time. I don't know how I played basketball in college, on a basketball scholar, I do not know how I did it with the condition that I had in my lung. I don't know. They had to remove half of it when I was 20 years old. But I didn't know any better. But when I got saved, I still didn't know any better. When I heard about it, I fought it. Then somebody began to explain it to me, and I began to see it. Then I began to realize, like Bonnie and I said one night coming home from a meeting, said, we've been robbed. We have been robbed. Our fathers and mothers and grandmothers and ancestors and cousins and, you know, the whole tree. We were all held in darkness. We didn't know anything about what the Bible taught. We didn't know that there was something better for us than just the status quo. We didn't know that. So therefore, we just subscribed to whatever was going on, and this is how you do it. We didn't know that, and we all came up short. Our lives were cut short. Our quality of life was cut short. I'm talking about our parents. My dad was 66 years old when he died. 66, you're really just getting your good wind going by 66, aren't you? <laughs> well, at least it's a little early to die, I think. Somebody said, well, God gives you 70 years. Who said that? Psalm 90? 70 years, you know, God forced 70 years was a complaint. I mean, Abraham to the wilderness said, Lord, they're only, at best they live 70 years and some by reason of strength make it to 80, but we're not living like we should. Moses went to what, 120? Joshua and Caleb were 80 years old when they got started. That's right. Man, I got six years before I get in my ministry. <laughs> Can you imagine 80 years old? Wow. Doesn't seem so bad right now though, but it's 80, whew. Man, might be a tower of power. That old fella can still run, can he? 80 years old. Anyway, God has something better for all of us. There's a way that is better. He can remove sickness from the midst of us. 
You learn not to accept sickness. You learn not to accept malfunctions of this. You can't deny that you're under a trial and you're being hammered by the devil, but you don't have to accept it. You fight against it even though you're going through a battle. You fight. You fight the good fight of faith. You say, I don't accept this. The Lord rebuke you and so on and so forth. You still have your Bible in your lap? Look in Deuteronomy. Go all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 15. The Bible said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Didn't he say that? Then you're not outsourced, are you? He does it, doesn't he? He does. He is the Lord who heals us. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, what a wonderful verse. And the Lord will take away from thee. What will he take away from you? He'll take away all, claim that right now for yourself, all sickness. And will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which thou knowest upon thee. While you're there, go to the right to Psalm 103. Just look at this one. Here's another verse of scripture that you're allowed to hold on to as a Christian. Verse 3. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Praise God. That's evangelism, isn't it? A God who forgives sins. Same verse. Same breath says what? And he heals all your diseases. What about what disease has done to people? Can he fix it? Can he put a new gizzard in there where a gizzard was destroyed? Well, not in us, but in a chicken maybe, but you know what I mean. Can he put something back that's been removed or can he fix something that's been taken away? Sure he can. I mean, I can't point to any specific person. I've heard stories through the years of those who have had a procedure done to prevent birth or this or that and then got some light later on. You know, I shouldn't have done that. If it's a sin to take life, is it also a sin to prevent it? I'm taking into my own hands this whole business about life, and I repent of that. And they have prayed for restoration. Could God restore a man or a woman to be back where they should be if they were altered from where they should have been? Of course he can. Of course he can. How about putting a new eyeball in a socket? Well, I've never seen it. It doesn't matter if you've seen anything. Could God do that? Of course he could. Could he put a new ear on your side of your head if you don't have? Of course he could. Could he take a disfigured face and fix it? Of course he can. We don't know anybody that's done that. All I'm saying is with God, there is nothing too difficult. Most of the people in those kind of dire situations didn't know to trust God anyway, so we don't have that testimony. I mean, you can't get worse than dying, can you? Is dying the worst thing? Is that the end of it? Can God raise the dead then? Well, you died of some, whoo, terrible, and you died. Well, could God raise you up? He sure can. He sure can. He sure can. But you have to believe it. So we read these verses like in Exodus 15, Exodus 23, Deuteronomy 7, 15. 
Psalm 103. We read this because God has a word there, like Psalm 107. Look at verse 20. I hope you believe this, for he sent his word and made us mad. He sent his word and did what? Healed us. Is there a healing power in the word then? What did the centurion ask Jesus to do? Speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Jesus said, go thy way, thy servant is healed. And he was healed that same hour when he said that. It's the word. You've got it in your lap. It's an eternal word about an eternal God who eternally loves his people and wants to shower us with benefits. Did he not say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits? I'd like to think that this church or this body of believers here, insignificant to the world, weak though we may be, that we can get a hold of all of this and be a living testimony to the power of God that we can live above all the stuff the world is languishing over, that we can have peace and joy instead of, well, languishing, being full of fear of the next disease coming. One out of four gets this. One out of five, you get this level, it's over. This has happened now. Birds are getting it. The hogs have had it now. It's kind of everything's coming. I'd like for us to get to the place where you think, I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Amen. That is God, God Almighty. Our verse in Isaiah 53 we read the other day, he bore our diseases and he carried our pains. The King James uses griefs and sorrows. The word griefs is a word which has to do with diseases. Sorrows is a word that has to do with pain and suffering. Jesus did suffer. But in the process of doing it, he bore, Galatians 3 tells that Jesus bore the curse of the law to which we were all assigned the curse. He bore it for us. He stood in our place. He was the Lamb of God. He became our substitute. He took our place. And in our stead, he bought our victory. He loosed the prison doors. He set the captives free. And if we are free, then we are free. And what God sets free ought to stay free. How many times... Has the devil heard us tell him when he tried to put something on us? I do not receive anything that is not of God. You cannot put on me what God laid on Jesus. That has been paid for. It is not mine. I don't receive it. And begin to walk best you can. You do what you got to do. You walk through whatever you got to walk through, but you walk with that, your hand on this sword and you repeat it quite often. I am under the blood and not the curse. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. So our stand that we take in light of those healing scriptures, the position that I would like to thank all of you do, I can speak only for myself. I come to this conclusion. Number one, healing 
is the will of God. Healing is the will of God for me. Again, he healed them all. Jesus came in the Father's will. He said, I came to do thy will, O God. First Peter 3 said that he destroyed the works of the devil. Well, does that mean all sicknesses of the devil, doesn't it? What about Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Who's the oppressor? The devil. I could tell you this, oppression is not the will of God. Being oppressed and depressed and forlorn and downtrodden and sad and moping around, that's not the will of God. That's a form of oppression. Something is heavily weighted on you, holding you down. It could be an illness. And you don't think it's ever going to get better. You've got a condition that's never going to get healed. You're not going to last long because of this, therefore. And this oppression comes. The Bible said God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, and he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Or what about that woman that had her back bowed? She was called a daughter of Abraham. You know what Jesus said? He said, should not this daughter of Abraham be loosed whom Satan hath bound? Lo, these how many years? Would you say her body was in a state of bondage? Her physical condition was not a blessing. It was called bondage. It wasn't what God wanted for us, what she had signed for in her life. And she didn't know any better. I didn't know any better. We didn't know any better. If it came our way, it's just the way it is. It just roll with the punches. No fighting. Nobody taught us to fight. We were ignorant. Didn't know any better. Didn't believe in the devil doing anything like that. The devil was just Halloween stuff. So we just let this happen. We became victimized, oppressed, in bondage, even in Job's boils. The Bible said that Job's loathsome physical condition was healed. It was said that God turned the captivity of Job. Captivity, bondage, oppression. That's the work of the devil. Why should we accept that? Jesus and the Bible takes a stand against every bit of it and offers you the same privilege. Well, why doesn't God heal me? He said he would because you're not believing. Just because you can mouth the words with your mouth doesn't mean you're believing. Because the devil's going to hang in there for a while. You've got to hang in there too. You've got to fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. So, we believe that healing is the will of God. Secondly, we believe that sickness just does not glorify God. God is not glorified in sickness. God was glorified in the Bible when they were healed. The people said they glorified God. They worshiped him with a loud voice and so forth. We can't turn to all of those. When miracles took place, remember Acts chapter 3, silver and gold have I number such as I have give I thee, and rise and walk, and the man rose and walked, and the people wanted to have a party. I mean, they really got excited. Why? Because a the man they knew was impaired. 
I mean, terminally impaired. There's no way you can fix it. There's no remedy for that until the remedy came along. Peter and John said, take up your bed and walk. Up he went. Would you like to see that happen today? Sure, you would. would you believe it then? Another thing is that we know, thirdly, that we come to this conclusion, that Satan is the author of sickness and disease and illness. That's his work. Another one is that we believe that the ministry of healing is given to the church. The ministry of healing is given to the church. Listen to this. These signs shall follow those who believe. Are you a believer? So he said, then these signs shall follow those who believe. They'll lay hands on the sick, first thing he said in Mark 16. Secondly, in James chapter 5, he said, is any sick among you? Here's another option. Call the elders of the church. They'll anoint him with all and prayer of faith. We'll heal the sick. Thirdly, how about the gifts of healings? 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts, plural, of healings, plural. Gifts, plural, healings, plural. Various ways that healing is employed is not always the same way. Sometimes Jesus spoke. One time Jesus touched. He put clay in somebody's eyes. It's just various ways you're led by the Spirit of God to do things. Gifts of healings. There was apostolic power. They could heal. But you don't have to have an apostle today. You only need a believer today. And actually, you don't need anybody if you're by yourself. You can claim this for yourself. In the name of Jesus, I receive what is written in the word of God for myself. I'm counting on you, Lord God. I'm counting on you to do for me what you said right here. You said you would remove all sickness from the midst of me. You said you sent your word and you healed them. You said you would cause and you would do. Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this. There is no way for intelligent man to explain this. That's why he rejects it. But I am counting on you as the almighty God to bring divine healing into my life and health. And that's all I can do. And then once I receive that, I hold on. But the ministry of healing is given to the church. What's children's bread? You ever heard of children's bread? It was healing, deliverance. That was given to the people of God. Another thing is that we know that the privilege and the right to receive an answer to prayer is given to every Christian. It's yours. You may never experience it, but it is yours. You have a right to pray and receive an answer to your prayers. We would say this also, that the age of miracles has not ceased. The age of miracles has not ceased. And finally, I could say this, that sin and unbelief block the healing that we so desperately want. Sin and unbelief. We deny the Lord in some of the things we do with our life and we get in, in a sinful state and prayer won't work then. Isaiah 59, 2. Or we pray and then it didn't work, so we keep on praying. Then we get together, let's just keep praying, let's just keep praying. The Bible says when you pray, believe. When you pray, believe. You don't have to keep hollering at God, just believe. 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 If we know that he hears us, 
then we know we have it, don't we? Okay, finally, in closing this morning, how can I make this work for me? How can I get it? Well, again, again, I go back to what we should go back to. You got to have faith. You got to have faith. You have to believe. I mean, you must believe that what God has promised, he has given to you and that it does belong to you. And secondly, you can't earn it because you've already got it. Part of your inheritance when you were born again, part of your inheritance was to be well. We didn't know that. A lot of ministers didn't teach that because they themselves didn't believe it. The seminary most likely didn't teach that either because if it doesn't work, you're going to disappoint all those people and we would rather them be sick than disappointed. There's a lot of reasons why we don't have the things that God has promised. But it's mainly we've never really believed it was ours. And when we did say we believed it, we didn't know how to exercise faith for it. I wonder what it was like that night when Paul was preaching in Acts 14. And while he was preaching, it says, Paul, perceiving that a man who was sitting there had faith to be healed. Now, that's interesting. While Paul was preaching, he perceived it was some kind of divine influence that came on Paul concerning a person sitting in the audience. It was, we call it the word of knowledge. God showed him something in the present tense. And the Bible said Paul perceived that he had faith to be healed. Well, there must have been a lot of people sitting there. I'm sure other people could have used healing besides him. Why him? While he was there, he was believing He wasn't there just to hear a a nice sermon. He was there to benefit from what he heard. And when he intently listened and he paid attention, he began to comprehend because the Spirit of God does that. It began to make sense. His perception came into play and he began to see the picture that God really did want to heal him that he did not have to be sick, that if you will just stretch yourself out here, you'll be healed. And the Bible said Paul perceived that he had faith to be healed. And he said to him, you're healed. And, and of course, the man was healed. Is that our need in the church? How about Shelbyville Christian Assembly? I'll say it is. I don't care how long you sit here. I don't care how long you've been coming here, how many sermons you preach. I preached nearly 4,000 sermons here. That's a lot. Well, 3,500. That's a lot of showers and shaves too. And I know that there's people that have got it and I know there's people that still haven't. You're not out of the picture yet. It Maybe it's time to awake thou that sleepest and we ought to preach a sermon on slumbering. Pay attention. God's offering you something. He's long-suffering. You're not getting it, but he keeps giving it. Come on. Come on. He's going to show you something. He's going to fix you. So that in the last days on this earth when chemical warfare, biological warfare, and poison, believe me with this, trust me, 
when poison is their great enemy on the battlefields and in the cities. Death through chemicals. No weapon that's formed against you will prosper. Isaiah 54. And not only that, but if you drink any deadly thing, it will not harm you if you believe. We've never had the reality of that in our life, not in America. We feel sorry for those poor people in the jungle that don't have shoes and food, but in America, we're kind of divorced from all of that. And yet we have that creepy feeling that is coming. Some form. Some kind of judgment on a nation that has turned itself away from God. Had doing this level best to rule God out of society, out of schools, out of government. The wall is going to fall. The hedge is going to be let down. Things are going to happen. The only people I can think of who should not be afraid is us. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Well, we'll be caught out of here before then. Well, I hope we are, but if we're not, I hope you still believe in God and you're not afraid because things that will happen in this world will happen and will not be good. But the reason for people that are not well is 1 Corinthians 11 at the Lord's table. They didn't treat each other right. For this cause, he said, many are weak and sickly among you. Paul had a thorn. Luke was a doctor. Therefore, it's okay to have thorns. Thorn ministry. Paul had this disfiguration when he was stoned. When he was stoned, it messed up his eyes and his vision, and he had this look, and his eyes would weep. The commentator said he had pus that come out of his eye. He was just, you know, his bodily appearance was weak. And uh, so this is the way it was. And that's why he said to the First Corinthians church, he said, the reason so many of you are weak and sickly because you don't relate to each other. And here he was weak and sickly. I don't believe Paul was weak and sickly. I believe he was a little dynamite package. Amen. Preach all day and all night. That's right. Amen. Folks, healing belongs to us. Amen. It is ours. It was given to us. It costs a lot. Yeah. And let's not deny the Lord that bought us by saying we don't need that. And let us not be destroyed for lack of knowledge. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray you bless this word to your people, that it would become rooted in our hearts, that we truly would understand this and receive it in Jesus' name. And I pray that anybody in this room this morning, especially while we're here now, that you will heal everything in this room, anything and everything that exists as a person, whoever, all of us, any of us would just say, I receive that in Jesus' name. And we give you thanks, Heavenly Father, for divine healing. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.